Why don't you open your Bibles with me to the book of Acts? Oh, my word, 11, 10 o'clock is just dropping the ball. I said, open your Bibles to the book of Acts. There we go. We are returning to this series called The Spirit-Filled Church. And uh, we have basically two objectives with this, with this series. We began it last year. We took a break over the holidays, did some other things. But now we're, we're picking it back up. But we have two basic objectives. We want to learn, when we say the Spirit-Filled Church, we want to ask... We want to learn what it meant so that we can live what it means. Want to say that with me out loud? We want to learn what it meant so we can live what it means. As we pick this series back up, we are, we are picking it up conveniently right where we left off. Wonderful. And uh, what, what's great is where we left off, where we get to pick up, we're picking up, and, 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 and Luke actually pauses, and, and, and he's kind of like giving us one of those last time in the book of Acts. He kind of gives us a catch-up, a recap. So that's, that's super convenient for us. So what we're going to be able to do today is remember some of our big ideas and bring emphasis to that which we want to embrace is really important. So Acts chapter 11, beginning at verse 1, we're going to read all the way through verse 18. I'm reading from the NIV. If you want to look, follow along in your Bibles or your, the, your favorite translation, here we go. Acts chapter 11. The, the apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. There we go. Come on. So when Peter went to Jerusalem... The circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. So good. Such a good church. Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. I was in the city of Joppa praying. And in a trance, I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. And I looked into it, and I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts. I saw sausage and bacon. <laughs> and reptiles and birds. Yeah. Then I heard a voice telling me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And I replied, surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a whole lot has come out. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Well, this happened three times. And then it was all pulled up to heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers went with me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter, that's me, and he will bring a message through which you and all your household will be saved. That's exactly how it sounded in the original. 
As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them. As he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord said. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections. And they praised God, saying, So then, even to the Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Even to, you, can, you might want to fill in the blank there. And I, right now I did, and things crossed my mind to say that are funny. Even to God has granted, even, and I, I, I used to joke about Portland, but now everybody comes here from Portland, so I can't joke about that anymore. <laughs> Even <laughs> to Seattle. All right, next going. <laughs> so what's the theme? What's the big idea? Apparently, here it is. The spirit-filled church is filled with the spirit. All right, let's begin. Let's look at what it meant, and then we'll talk about what it means. It begins all with a problem. The problem is this. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the heard that Gentiles had received the word of God. So when Peter came to Jerusalem, they got text message, come here now. And the circumcised criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men, and you ate with them. Now remember that here's the deal with the circumcised men and the non-circumcised thing. It's, and, and here it's, it, this is, it begins with Abraham, and initially it's all it's fine. The circumcision is a sign of covenant. It's a sign that, that you have stepped into right relationship with God. It's an outward sign of an inward commitment that you've stepped into right relationship with God. And over time, it demarks. There's a demarcation. That, that means you're part of the in crowd. That means that you are the accepted. You, are, you, are, you belong. You're, you're the in with God. And the uncircumcised are those who are then not accepted. They are the unaccepted. They are the outside crowd, the not in. And then to eat with someone, we know this from first, first century Judaism and the, the, the Palestinian stuff, um, uh, that to eat with someone meant to, if you shared a table with them, you shared value. You shared identity with them. You said, we are the same. We share value, we share identity, we share worth together. It was, a, it was a, an expression of unity to share a meal around the table. So they said, hey, you went, you went to the unwashed, to the unright, to the unaccepted, and you treated them as equals. What gave you this right harumph? So Peter explains. The explanation begins in verse 4. And here's how it starts. Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. Somebody say the story. The story. Mm -hmm. They had 
an argument. Peter had a testimony. Josh McDowell said years ago that a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. Steward the testimony of the Lord. Remember what the Lord has done in your life. Tell the story and retell the story. It'll strengthen your faith. It'll spread good news to other people. Somebody say testimony. So Peter essentially just tells them the testimony. And, here's, and what he emphasizes in the testimony is significant for him and for his audience and for us as we read it. And here's how he starts. Here's how it starts. He said, I was praying. How did, this, how did all this happen? How, what's going on? Things are cats and dogs living together. I mean, I mean, Gentiles are hearing the word and you're eating. What's going on? How did all of this start? Things are changing. Things are happening. Things are happening in your house. Things are happening in your church. Things are happening in your city. Things are beginning to turn around. You're not the way that you used to be. How did all this start? It always starts the same way. I was praying. That is how everything worthwhile starts. He says, I was praying, and then he said, I had a vision. And he described the vision, and we read it. It was, a, it was like a parable. It was a prophetic picture that God gave Peter. And it was of, this, of, these, uh, of a sheet unfolding containing uh, animals that were formerly called unclean. But God said, don't call it unclean if I've called it pure. This was implying that God would make something clean previously thought otherwise. God was going to show, God was going to give assurance that he had done something, that he had made something clean, that something was accepted that once was thought not. This was repeated three times. It's repeated three times, and what do you know? Three Gentiles show up at the door. And then Peter says, the Holy Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going. The Holy Spirit spoke to me, he said. The Holy Spirit told me. How many know the Holy Spirit speaks? His voice is active in the Spirit-filled church. And his voice moves us toward faith. His voice moves us toward obedience. His, mo his voice moves us toward mission. So Peter arrives at the destination in verses 13 and 14 to hear that the Lord had been working on the other end of this thing already. How many have ever heard or been aware that, that the Lord is at work? That he's at work in your life, and you find out he's at work somewhere else. It's almost like we figure out that God does have an agenda. That God does have a purpose. In this story, we hear that the Lord gave instructions and he gave commands on both ends. That he was coordinating something wonderful. He was coordinating something powerful. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit is still doing that. And in this story, the Holy Spirit was giving instructions and commands on both ends. But in both situations, both parties had to obey. God gave the instruction, God gave the vision, God gave the command, but both people still had to obey. Friends, listen, we know this, but you can celebrate it as true with me, that the Holy Spirit has an agenda for our lives. The Holy Spirit has a plan and a purpose for your house, for your heart. He has a plan for this church. He has, he has things in mind. Neither Cornelius didn't wake up and say, I have an idea. I think I should call Peter. Peter didn't go up in the mountain, I mean, on the rooftop to pray and think, you know, I should go evangelize the Gentiles. 
Gentiles. No, all of this began in the heart and mind of God. And God's heart and God's mind still has good things. God is still planning good things. He still has big ideas, stuff that we haven't thought of, stuff that we didn't think was possible, stuff that our prejudices have kept us from thinking about. Stuff that our fears have kept us from. But God has plans. God has ideas. And the Holy Spirit is working to make them happen. He is planting these seeds in our minds. He is speaking to his church. But nothing happens until somebody obeys. His leading will always require our obeying. That is faith. And here's the solution to the problem. Peter says, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. He said the Holy Spirit came on them as he came on us. He, he draws to his audience's uh, remembrance their own experience in the Spirit. He reminds them of their first encounter with the Holy Spirit. He reminds them of what we remember in Acts 8, that on the day of Acts 8, Acts 2, that on the day of Acts 8 was great too, but uh, that on the day of Pentecost, they were all gathered in one place. And as they were there, there was a sound that came from heaven that filled the whole room. Every time I talk about it, I want to keep talking about it. <laughs> but it filled the whole room, and then tongues of fire came and separated and re re remained upon each of them, and then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. All of these words are too wonderful just to pass by, but we've got to keep going. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they all began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. They began to speak. We learned from the text they were speaking languages, spiritual languages of prayer and praise, declaring the glories of God. Wow. And then when the crowd below said, what does this mean? And some said, they're hammered, they're wasted, they're drunk, they're crazy. Uh, Peter stood up and said, nah, 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 bro, nah, bro. These aren't drunk as you suppose. This is what was prophesied by Joel. By the prophet Joel, that in the last days, in other words, these are the last days. Hey, Dad, are we in the last days? Yep, we have been for a while. In the last days, it doesn't take a bomb, doesn't take Putin, doesn't take, no, we've been in the last days. Been in the last days in the Holy, last days, Holy Ghost means last days. So in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters, and they'll prophesy. And then the end of it says, and everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Peter said, this outpouring means that this is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that God has signaled that, that the doors of salvation have been thrown open wide to all who will call upon the name of the Lord. And the assurance that he has welcomed all humanity is that he is pouring out his spirit on all who call on his name. And then, as an expression of that experience, people would speak. Initially, people would begin to speak in prayer and praise in a spirit-inspired language back to God. That's what happened to them. Acts 2. Peter said, what happened to us? It happened to them. He said, in the same way, the Holy Spirit came on them. And we know, and here's the record of that event. It happened in Acts 10. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. 
Well, they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So Peter said, guys, what happened to us? It happened to them. The same thing happened. The same thing happened with all of the same meaning and all of the same implications. And we know because they responded with the same expression. In other words, they were all filled with the same spirit. Somebody say the same spirit. Say it again. The same spirit. Same spirit that came on us, Peter said. The same Peter, the same spirit that came on Peter and all of the Jews on the day of Pentecost is the same spirit that came on the Gentiles at the house of Cornelius. And for you and I, when read, when we read this, it is not for us just to read and go, hey, wow, that's cool. Remember that? It is for us to say, we, we too, the same spirit that we read about in this text is the same spirit that we receive. We know that we have the same spirit. We receive the same spirit and we respond in the same way. We too receive the spirit and respond with spirit-supplied expressions of prayer and praise. And as we do, we are assured, we know this, that the same promise that they have, we have. That the same power at work in their life is at work in our life. We have the same spirit. So Peter, again, in summary says, God gave them the same gift. Oh, somebody say same gift. God gave them the same gift he gave us. He gave them the same gift. He did not, he did not give, he didn't re-gift. He didn't give them a different gift. He didn't give them a lesser gift. He didn't give them leftover gift. He didn't give them a, diff- a lesser version of the gift. He gave them the same gift. We all receive the same gift because we are accepted the same. And we are loved the same. And we are saved the same. So we all receive the same spirit. And this is so powerful. Because the outpouring of the Spirit then reunites humanity. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, restores the unity of image bearers. Because for people of the Spirit, we recognize that for all that makes us different, and, 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 and we're different, and some, some of us are different, Right? We can, grow up, we can grow up in the same town and be different. We can grow up in the same area, be different. We, 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 we can grow up on different parts of the planet, and we're different. Our dialects are different. Our cultures are different. The amounts of melanin in our skin are different. Whether or not we should have pineapples on pizza, different. Whether or not cats go to heaven, different. There's a lot that make us different, but here's the thing. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, overwhelms all of that. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit draws us together and helps us to understand that regardless of what makes us different, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit together. 
And this is the part of the resolution they expressed. The, 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 those in Jerusalem said, when they heard this, they had no further objections because the gift of the Spirit drowns out and flushes out all of our lesser objections. Our shared experience of the Holy Spirit overwhelms all of our prejudices. Our shared experience of the Holy Spirit overwhelms all of our fears, all of our suspicions. Our shared experience of the Holy Spirit must overwhelm all of, our, all of the stuff that's unsettled and, and resented and all of our grudges. Our shared experience of the Holy Spirit, our, our love for Him and our reverence for Him must overwhelm all of that. In 1906 at Azusa, in the, in the renewal of the Pentecostal outpouring, the renewal of the revival, powerful things were at work, many signs and wonders, and we're thankful for that. And, 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 it, and the people were being baptized in the Holy Spirit, and people were beginning to speak in tongues that were part of all kinds of different backgrounds. Some people brand new to the faith, some people, Nazarene, Baptist, holiness, all these different movements were coming together and experiencing a Pentecostal outpouring. And it was beautiful, and it was powerful, and there was some controversy to it. But... Tongues weren't even really the controversy. What was the, the real beautiful thing and controversial thing, but more beautiful, was what was happening around the altars. People would come into that little was a barn, that little mission. And they would come into that place, and at the front, there the, the, the altar benches that were ad hoc planks of wood and brick, Around those altars, this is 1906. 1906, we know the unfortunate cultural conditions of 1906. And in 1906, around those altars, when you came into that room, here's what you would find. You would find, you would find white folk at the altars. Arm in arm, shoulder to shoulder, sharing, literally sharing sweat and tears with African Americans, Hispanics, people from every socioeconomic strata, the haves and the have lesses, all gathered around one altar, drinking from one spirit. All that divided them, all that kept them distant, overwhelmed by the outpouring of the Spirit. And this same outpouring of the Spirit washes over our hearts. This same outpouring of the Holy Spirit must wash over our churches. This same outpouring of the Holy Spirit touches us when we go across the, when we go across the river or we go across the seas. It's what binds our hearts with people we barely know in other nations, but we share the same spirit and we feel as though we are bonded for eternity because we are. And if there is one prophetic message for a, for a woke, triggered, angry culture, it is to throw open your hearts and arms the outpouring of the Holy Spirit who will overwhelm all of our fears, all of our prejudices, all of our resentments. And we will humbly bow in reverence to His presence and with love toward one another.
You remember the first criticism. How could you go with the unaccepted and treat them as they were equals? But God has signaled that he approves of all who have repented by giving them his spirit. Let's go to the very end. This is the, to the therefore. That's what it meant. This is how we live, what it means, friends. First, we have to recognize and reverence that the Holy Spirit is the primary dynamic characteristic of the New Testament church. He gets first place. His presence is first. <laughs> His presence is first. And He is the same Spirit as He is in the book. And He is our connection to one another because we share the same Spirit. And He is our connection to the story. Book of Acts doesn't end with, uh, and they lived happily ever after. It doesn't have the end. It sort of just ends with an ellipsis in Acts 28, as if the story is intended to be to keep going. The story is still being written by people who share the same spirit. So we live, we must live with this reverent and confident dependence upon that spirit. And we recognize we understand, we embrace that the Holy Spirit is not an acquiescent presence in our midst. He is not silent and he is not passive. But that he is active in and through us, initially by spirit-supplied prayer and praise, and continually he is present to lead us in faith, in obedience, the spirit-filled church is filled with the spirit the same spirit so our prayer is come Holy Spirit and come the same way
welcome you, your infilling, your influence in our life. And we want to open our hearts, our lives to you in every way for every expression, every leading of your gracious influence in our life. This we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody said amen. Friends, I've got to let you go. But if you'd like someone to pray with you or for you about your experience with the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, why don't you come? Someone will meet you down here, and they'll pray with you and lead you into uh, the fullness of the Spirit in your life. God bless you. Find your kids. They're waiting for you. Say hi to someone on your way out. Be kind to someone.